zombies have taken over the world, and the world needs heroes. Hi folks, Timothy Harvey. The Outbreak Challenge, OutbreakChallenge.com, has become a sponsor of Zompocalypse Now. Use your real-life steps and exercise to run from and battle the zombies on an interactive fitness adventure in the apocalyptic wasteland. And you can do this alone, you can do it with your friends, see who survives. They have 17 different races and challenges to choose from. All of them have unique stories and themes. If you survive the challenge, they'll send you a real-life medal. Now, this thing will easily pair with your Fitbit, your Apple Watch, other smart wearables. It is definitely a fun way to stay in shape or get back in shape after the last couple of years. We could probably all use some help with that. Now, if you want to try the Outbreak Challenge for yourself, you can save 15% off by going to their website, outbreakchallenge.com, pick the race you want, and enter in the code ZOMBIERUN to save 15% off. That's our coupon code, ZOMBIERUN you get as listeners of the show to take advantage of the outbreak challenge try this out for yourself see if it works for you thanks so much folks and now let's get into our episode do you fear the zombie uprising are you prepared to survive what's coming if you listen very carefully you might just make it out alive this is Zompocalypse Now. Well, I 100% think that they should fuck off out of that tower, every one of them. Oh my God. I have so many thoughts on Evil Strand. Tim, and they are take, very. Before you get into it, Dustin. Tim, take it away. Welcome to Zompocalypse Now, folks. The our little show where we discuss things undead, mostly in the Walking Dead universe, much to pay for the sins we've committed. Apparently, <laughs> we are. I don't know if I don't. I don't feel like this life. I've committed that many sins. That you know, by this, it must be some sort of past life payment. Yeah, doing here definitely. This episode, uh, yeah, so um, I'm Timothy Harvey. And I'm Dustin. And I'm Curtis as well. And this is another episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Um, and we are looking at episode... <sighs> oh, sorry, this actually... It's season whatever episode, who gives a shit? <laughs> season seven... <laughs> Episode 12. Yeah. And season, it, when did my life stop being my own yeah. episode? Why, God, why? And <laughs> and before I actually give the title of this episode, can either of you guess what the title of this episode is? Mm. The Fall. Ba baby times. Baby's, Baby's day out. Baby's day out. You are thinking about this too hard, guys. <laughs> what is it? The name of this episode is Sunny Boy. Yeah. So before we get into all of this, because we will have a lot to talk about, I'm not sure much of it's going to be good. Um, a, we have a Patreon account. Thank you to Nicole, who is a patron of this show and who has kindly thrown a few pennies at us. And we appreciate that. Um, we would encourage you to become a patron if you enjoy what we do. If you don't have the money, we understand that. Money can be tight. But if you do, hey, 
help us make the show even better than we already do. We have some stuff up on the Patreon account that is different tiers, different things we're offering, and we're going to be adding a lot more to it. So by all means, please join us. And if you have not checked out the Outbreak Challenge, they are a sponsor of the show, and you can save 15% off your first race by using the code ZOMBIERUN. And it's really cool. We had a good time. We encourage you guys to take advantage of it as well. About a halfway through the show, you're going to hear that commercial we made that you're all probably super sick of. So, you know. Oh, also, this is something that's very important about uh, uh, Outbreak Challenge. Real metals Mm -hmm. are made out of metal that they send to your house. Yep. They're very nice. They're awesome. All right. So... Everything about this episode was amazing and wonderful, and we are all extremely happy and cheerful people now. I cried. I'm a better person. None of this is true. I'm never going to be a better person. <laughs> I tried to chew my arm off because this show's coyote ugly. I would have said that I wept just for what could have been, but I didn't. I, and I, here's the thing. That would be an accurate assessment because this show has in the modern past, I can think of even John Dory Jr. had a really good standalone episode where the plot revolved completely around him. So we've seen them do these character study episodes where it's like one character really, really well. I can't really think too hard about that, you know, the John Dory Jr. episode because it was really, really good. The one, the murder mystery. Mm-hmm. And because this one hits so many of the same beats so badly. Well, this episode also really exposes, which we were already seeing. I mean, this is not none, none of the, the things we saw about how the tower even functions are new revelations tonight. But it just reinforces the fact that none of this works. None of this works. None of this makes a lick of sense. Strand cannot be this stupid. Right. Although I, I like I like I said, I have so many opinions about <laughs> evil supervillain Strand, and they vary across the board. Opinion number one: it, it is obvious that Coleman Domingo is having the time of his life camping it up if this character put on some platform stilettos and a cape a big feathered cape it would not be out of place on the way that coleman domingo is playing strand right now because you cannot add another element give him a monocle give him a (laughs) monocle and the the gloves that only have three fingers totally fine oh the fact that he has not had a, a mustache that curls out at the sides and and there's not a train that he can t- that he can tie a, a helpless woman to is a oh, damn they'll, shame there'll be the equivalent of that i'm sure did you notice did you notice how structured that beard is now i have it to is tell you a square on his chin. He is having the time of his life playing this completely over the top character and to watch him play it is so much fun. However, (laughs) there is only so much that can be done with the performance of an actor if the, the material they are given 
is Kaka, Kaka, Kaka Duty. I can imagine the the uh, the writers of this episode typing the final sentence of the dialogue and uh, and hitting roll roll credits or whatever, and then sitting back and going, <sighs> lighting up a cigar and going, another day's good work. Mm-hmm. Well, I got news for them. They're fucking idiots. And they, you know, they think what they did was great. They're wrong. This this episode was so convoluted and nonsensical and left turny, and uh, you don't go, I won't go, uh, fucking arguments all day. Yeah. yeah, Dustin, what what happens in this? Show? Okay, so apparently, Strand has gone completely crazy and totally paranoid and is convinced that there is some kind of underground resistance in the tower. And the thing that he thinks is a sign of this resistance is walkie-talkies. If somebody turns your name into the secret police uh, and they show up and there's a walkie-talkie anywhere in your vicinity, you're immediately thrown off the roof. Like, no trial, no nothing. And of course, this is horrible Salem witch trial level bad yeah, going the, on. Like the 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 montage in the beginning of of I call it the what the hell is happening montage. Was that, the best part of that was just one person getting chucked off the roof after the <laughs> other. I was like, let's just do this the whole episode. I'm cool with it. And- <laughs> This is all kind of juxtaposed with John Dory Jr. Sr. kind of saying like to Strand, like you need somebody who can be on your side and give you good counsel and all this stuff. And like, because he's there at a lot of these executions because he's basically the sheriff. And so at the end of this speech and this montage, John Dory Sr. Jr. goes, or Jr. Sr. goes, uh, how was that? And June's like, this is never going to work. You are not going to be able to convince Strand to not be crazy, and he's not going to listen to you. You should give up on this particular line. And John Dory Jr. Sr. is like, no, I can do it. I can convince him. And June's like, are you okay? Like, seriously? <laughs> Here's a Here we have a scene between two people. One is a Hollywood icon, right? Uh, just a <laughs> phenomenal actor. Right. Who is giving? We all love Dharma and Greg. I know. <laughs> I was saying Deadwood, but okay. Um, Deadwood, what's that? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, here we have this guy who's not being served by the dialogue, and Dharma is just wiping the floor with him, performance-wise. But she's not being served by her dialogue either. Nobody just, is. I don't know why. If, if we we need to come up, we need to come up with some special codes. We need the code for no. I, it's too dangerous. I'll go. That conversation. That needs to be like code forty three or something. My safe word is banana. Yeah. Okay. So banana. It's you know they would they did a banana, and and then like for the for the times when the performance of the actor cannot raise the dreck that they have been given to say that has to be like uh they're they're sh- shitting in a raid storm or something you know like <laughs> cocaine day for the writers <laughs> it, it just it just 
it happens so much and we talk about it so much you guys we sit there and we're like okay well you know we know that he james is talented but here we are again talking about how horrible his scene was or you know yes yes jenna elfman has proven time and time again that she can knock one out of the park but she's not just standing there going uh-huh no yes why i don't know i don't know i'm getting to but the anyway. bottom of this so uh so very obviously uh june tries to convince like to be like oh of course there's not a resistance in the tower. Strange just paranoid. Why would you think that since a good quarter of the people in your immediate vicinity all hate him and all don't want him to be in charge, that there would be some sort of resistance in the tower? I mean, you yourself could name probably seven people off the top of your head that don't want Strange in charge of the tower who are inside the tower right now. Of course, we're not setting up some sort of resistance. Of course not. Look over there. And then she ran out of the room. <laughs> uh, Is that an elephant? <laughs> <laughs> she she runs out of the room because uh, Tim Harvey has been found with a walkie. So Tim Harvey had one. Now he's going to get thrown off the roof because Strand has no loyalty to anyone, which is a constant, consistent character trait. That is the one consistent character trait that is carried through because in other situations, Strand is a smart person. Ever since he became king of his own little domain in the his tower, fiefdom. Of his fiefdom, maybe he got, maybe he took more blows to the head than we're aware of because he's like, dumbed it down he's just uh well i mean even like this but see this is not uncommon because smart people who are given power and then become dictators and then become paranoid and delusional and lead to their own downfall it is not unheard of in human history oh i know but this is also somebody who spent how much of his life playing other people yes he was a con man he was a good con man he was somebody who was incredibly good at manipulating people to get what he wanted and here it's just like i have brought my sledgehammer and i am going to use it on every decision making possibility i may have well, and aside from that, it's a bad management style because oh, you don't want to be the supervillain that kills his lackeys. The, that's one thing the governor, or not the governor, uh, Negan had over all of the other, like, if he took you prisoner, he wasn't going to necessarily kill you. He might give you a super shit job to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Strand is past that point. He's gone over completely crazy. He's not... He can't see town anymore, and he's just going to keep going. But before he can throw Howard off the roof, which is you jaywalk, you get thrown off the roof. Also known as how you actually create a resistance, even if right. there wasn't one ahead of time. Yeah. If every time something something bad happened, you get somebody gets thrown off the roof, that is going to lead definitely to a resistance movement. In fact, the number of people who have not already attempted to assassinate Strand is surprisingly low. Mm -hmm. I had to, I had to IMDb this episode to make sure it wasn't right, written by the, by the guys who wrote uh, Star Wars Episode One, <laughs> uh, because because that was shit. 
but no, it was written by a couple of kind of off-brand, kind of non-accomplished, I don't know, beginners or something. I don't know. This show needs to have some, like, serious talent thrown at it immediately. Well, in fairness to the writers, bear in mind that a lot of these folks are come in and told, this is what you're going to accomplish this episode. Yeah. And they don't have a choice. And they have come in and they're like, I'm working on an AMC show. I'm working on a Walking Dead show. Here's your assignment. God damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm more so in the hands of the folks who write individual episodes. I'm going to lay this at the showrunner's feet and the folks who are arcing out the storylines. Because ever since, and there were certainly problems before, but ever since we decided to go nuclear apocalypse. Hello, this is Curtis uh, contacting you from the future. I just want you people to know that the word is pronounced nuclear. Thank you. This show's writing has not made one lick of sense. Yeah, I agree with you. They really, really wanted to have all those bombs blow up, though. I know. And just because you want a thing doesn't mean you should have a thing. Dustin right. did not order the extraction figures. I didn't. I didn't do it. Didn't uh, what's his name? Cowboy guy say that exact same thing. Just because you want something doesn't mean you can have it. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he said that very thing. Well, I don't and, like that. I don't <laughs> like that. If I want something, I'm going to get it. I don't want anything is my problem. Right. <laughs> so so I want this before, show to be better <laughs> before harold can get thrown off the roof uh somebody comes up and is like hey <laughs> strand remember that baby you stole well it's gone oh meanwhile we forgot to i forgot to mention that during the montage he's got the baby he's throwing people off the roof and this baby is watching completely and utterly terrified the look on that child's face is complete terror because she's two and she doesn't understand she's not even people aren't really getting thrown off the roof she's not even two and this is a dustin pointed this out towards the end of the episode this is a child who is deeply deeply traumatized Right. And, and of course, strands think this is just fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. This child will grow to love me. I'm making my legacy. Any scene that this baby is in, it is not not crying. It is a crying baby the whole time. And apparently they have people on baby watch, which is, you know, important. I think that's good. Keep an eye on the kid. I'm not sure which poor, you know security guard got to be you know nappy changer but right well the baby's got a nanny and the nanny is not very attentive or is part of the resistance but it's not shown to be as such when the resistancers are are all rounded up at the end of the episode spoiler alert for the show we're recapping there actually is a resistance and it's literally exactly who you think it is yep no surprises there No surprises ever. Yeah, or anywhere else. I didn't want to spoil it. (laughs) I also looked up that director who, by the way, hasn't has had a long career of directing TV shows. Mm -hmm. None that I would ever watch. Like the reboot of MacGyver, Grand Hotel. My parents love the reboot of MacGyver. I think your parents might be a little cool, but I don't think that contributes to that. 
<laughs> no, but you know they are they are of the CBS set now. They like a show with a caper and some real fun, quippy, young, sexy people doing a caper together. But who doesn't like a caper? Well, I don't because we have a caper tonight because that baby's gone. And Strand is like, well, I guess we got to find the baby. Hello, friends. It's Curtis from the future again. And uh, I wanted to mention to you that the next couple minutes... Well, the, during while I'm doing this is actually a pretty funny little tangent that uh, we went on. And uh, you can enjoy that if you're a Patreon member. So go on, kick in a little. This diversion was brought to you by Patreon. <laughs> it was brought to you by Outbreak Challenge. Get it right. <laughs> Um, you can so, pay for more digressions by going to <laughs> patreon.com zonepocalypse now and hear all the weird nonsense we blather about when we're trying to avoid talking about the show <laughs> that we are supposed to be talking about that if you were our patron you would be literally paying us to talk about how we did like did we kill somebody I'm pretty sure there was like a busload of orphans and nuns in our past somewhere that we are responsible for driving off a mountaintop. I feel okay, like this, so, all right. I feel like this yeah. is what happens to people when they get canceled. They just have to watch this show now. <laughs> but we never got canceled. We were, we were just, we, you gotta be a thing before you can be canceled. Curtis. <laughs> It's anyway, okay, limo. all right. So we got to stop this. We got to stop right, this. Right. So now what it becomes is John Dory has John Dory Jr. Senior has exactly the same episode that John Dory had two seasons ago, where he has to figure out where the baby is. Where whereas John Dory had to try was trying to solve a murder and came and and came to realize the corruption because it doesn't matter what the truth is it only matters that there's an answer and that episode was extremely powerful and thought provoking this episode of when you work for a dictator sometimes you gotta be working for a dictator did not have any of that emotional depth and it's no. weird because it's mirrored so almost completely that it's crazy it's crazy to me well i mean it's clear that that's what they set out to do yeah i mean it's such it's so obviously this is what we're trying to do and and their intent is to have that you know reflection and they even did it for the same reason because that episode was the was the foreshadowing episode showing that John Dory had nothing else to lose. Mm -hmm. He was at the end of his rope and he was not long for this world. And this episode is showing that John Dory Jr. Sr. has become disillusioned with the world, has at the end of his rope and has nothing left to lose. But the difference is, is that that was not the episode where John Dory Jr. died. Right. They took you to that point, to that revelation, and then the episode was over. Right. And they gave you that time to actually go into, this one says, okay, that's nice. <laughs> Let's, you know, the episode should have ended. And I, we're jumping, I'm jumping ahead here. The episode should have ended with him pouring the, the drink. Yeah. That should have been ended, where we see him just 
start drinking in. That should have been the end of the episode. Everything that followed should have been, it's episode still would have had lots of problems, but in terms of his story, that would have worked much better. Right. Anyway, so, so John Dory looks for the baby and he interviews all the usual suspects. He interviews June and Grace and, and the nanny and some soldiers and everybody only to decide to follow June's messy muddy footprints down to the basement where she's got that baby in a box. Oh, before we get to that, we have to talk about the Howard interview. Go ahead and talk about it. I don't care. Where we get Howard's tragic backstory. <laughs> that was shoehorned in purely for convenience. Well, well, I feel like we knew this about Howard, that he was sticking close because he thought that's where his family would come. I think that's like the first or second thing that he ever said to Strand. Mm. Yeah. So the problem with this theory is that this kind of of I'm I'm hoping I can find my family only works if a it's the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. B, you were together with that person up till the point where the nuclear apocalypse happened. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Those are your options. But here we find out that before the zombie apocalypse started, his wife left him and took the kid. Because he's right. a lion sack of shit historian. Because he's a moron. Because he, so I don't know if you know anything about uh, the historical document field, dear listeners. Yeah, I'm sure they're fucking all over it. <laughs> yeah. For historians, it's hugely important. It's very, very profitable for a lot of people. And it has been historically rife with forgeries. There have been huge big scandals involving forged historical documents. This stuff, these, and it still happens. It's always going to happen. But there is like a whole industry of checking to make sure the big, incredible discovery you have revealed is, is like, real. Is yeah. real. And the story here is that Howard had an important document from the Alamo. It's important history of Texas thing. And now he's got the, he's discovered an extra part of it. And everyone's like, you're amazing and wonderful and made of candy. And then it's like, oh, no, you're a liar. Someone figured out the fraud. Right. And it and ruins his life. Yes. His his wife leaves him, takes the kids. There's a zombie apocalypse and then a nuclear apocalypse all at the same time. And he's like, I want to stay here because I'm hoping that my wife and son will will magically walk through the door at any moment. Despite the fact years have passed. Right. Strand would never let those guys in. Well, turns out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, we get that backstory. And then then John Dory Jr. Senior goes down to the basement and finds June with that baby in a box. I'm not even talking about the character anymore. The little actress, the little baby that they brought to set to be this baby is traumatized for life because in her little baby brain, she just watched a bunch of people throw people off a roof. Then they put her in a box and then they surrounded her by people whose faces were melting off. Well, babies freak out about everything. So, I mean, just a matter of degrees, really. Look, the amount of money her parents are getting paid are going to help with her therapy. So oh God, oh I God. think that's You're important. Not give her any of that money. Nope. She's going to end up like that dude from the Goonies who's got a shitty rock band and thinks he can bang strippers all day. Right. So anyway, um, John Dory Jr. Sr. is like, Jude, the resistance is real and you're a part of it. And she's like, 
duh. Like, of course, like, yes, yes. But then he has his own secret to reveal. Yes, he has decided that the only reason, the only way is the tower to survive, to stay in the tower to be safe. And so he's like flipped out about it. And again, June is like, what is going on with you, dude? Like, why are you so like afraid of leaving the tower? Why can't we, this is not working. You know, it's not working. Strand's gone crazy. We need to go. And he uh, lifts up his shirt and reveals that he is radiation poisoned. Somehow. And he, yes. Well, he's got so that he, convenient radiation poison that Charlie has. He explained how he got it. He got it when he went to get Charlie because apparently, despite the fact we have not returned to this part of the story, which seems, I don't know, a little bit important, there is some place very nearby that is apparently a gigantic radioactive hotspot right over here, just off camera. <laughs> well, no, we've been to the place and this is a place that they have sent people before. It seems like they keep mentioning it and I hope that it turns out to be something important. I really do. Because the way that they keep bringing this up, this is like the third or fourth episode where they've talked about this particular place I hope that it means something. I hope it's not just like it was it's convenient. just a way to get some of these actors off the show mm -hmm. for the soft reboot that's coming. So they fight off the zombies and they, they get to a point where like he could escape out of the tower with the baby and June tries to convince him to do it, but then he doesn't. And then Strand and Harold and all his guys show up. Strand does the rookie supervillain move of being impressed by all of the machinations that John Dory Jr. Sr. had to get into his council. That he's like, sure, you could be my right hand man. Throw Harold off the roof and his job is yours. Because the other big reveal that John had for June was that he was the one who planted the walkie talkie in Harold's room. Right. Which was a shocking, shocking, no, wait, I'm, that's the wrong word. Obvious, obvious is the word I'm looking for, revelation. I, you know, honestly, I knew that it had been planted. I think all the walkie-talkies had been planted. I was more expecting the revelation that Harold was going around planning walkie-talkies on people that he deemed undesirable. That's more what I was expecting. The fact that, that the walkie was planted on him by John Dory Jr. Sr. did not surprise me either. But apparently it impressed Strand. I mean, he was like, ha ha, you're a man after my own heart. Which should right. be a warning, by the way, uh, Strand. I believe they call that the Star Scream. Right. And <laughs> little little Transformers reference for the kids at home. Logic just dropped away from this this whole from here on out. Well, Harold's like, "Ha! I told you, I was framed. See, everything's fine, and I found the baby." And and Strand's like, "Well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't." <laughs> Right. And if you were if you were sloppy enough to be framed to the roof. So there's this very intense moment where where John Dory Jr. Sr. is like, I will never throw anyone off the roof. Uh, but it lasts all of five seconds before he throws Harold completely off the roof. Well, he needed to do that so he could not kill Strand later. Right. That dumb son yeah. of a bitch. 
don't want to lose Coleman Domingo. He has got very, they have got very little time left with him because he is blowing the fuck up. And so they want to keep him as close to they as they can for as long as they can. And if that means letting him play a crazy ass supervillain, then they are going to let him do it. I don't think we want to, to loop Coleman Domingo into the, this is his no, fault of course school it of things. Fault. No, he's a precious angel. You know who's not a precious angel? Madison. When his contract is up, she will step right in. She's not replacing Strand. She's going to replace Morgan. That's my theory. Do you mm. think Lenny James is done? I think Lenny James has served his time. I mean, look, clearly there's a whole lot of past sins being paid for here, and I'm pretty sure he's paid his off. John Dory Jr. Sr. goes back to his new, to Harold's old room, which is now his new room, and just starts drinking the the juice, the the juice. And this is where the episode should have ended. Showing showing that the man has made these decisions, has committed these acts, done all these things because he has given up. And this is the only only way he can somehow protect his legacy. And quite frankly, if I had to drink for every time someone used the word legacy this episode, I would be pretty buzzed by now. Right. Because every five seconds, someone uses the word legacy. It's John Dory. It's Harold, uh, it's Strand in in the conversation he's about to have with John Dory. June even says it. It's like, okay, guys, this is not how legacies work, okay? They're not going to read, this tower is my legacy. I'm building the future. No, this is the part in the history book where the person goes, this asshat, what killed a lot of people, died bad in his dumb tower. And that's your legacy. I mean, that's just... I think that I think maybe the director was thinking about his own legacy during this, hoping that this would be it. He was nope. thinking it's going to be true. Saying I I passed up Legend of Curly's Gold <laughs> because because I thought Pluto. Like, I mean, how how you working with Eddie Murphy? Of how course, you can't go wrong. Rodari Rosario Dawson, she's an up and comer. Oh gosh, I I you know I'm going to watch that movie. I've never seen it. We should watch. We should watch Pluto Nash. It's an extra for our Patreon, folks. Hey, folks, did you know we have a Patreon account? Um, So anyway, (laughs) Strand comes in. They have this conversation about how he's like, where he basically strands like, I've decided that I am going to keep the baby and only I will raise her from now on. She will stay in the tower with Papa, don't preach. I'm keeping the baby. And John's like, this is not going to work. You're not going to make this baby love you. You're going about things wrong. And Strand's like, when I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. He gives him the the Princess Leia speech. The more you tighten your grip, the more we slip through your fingers. When she had an English accent at the beginning of episode four. John Dory Sr. looks at him and goes, you were never going to listen to me, were you? And Strand's like, nope. You silly fool, get my cape. You required motivation. Oh, yes. So then he has his thing about everyone Everyone needs a reason to do the things they do. And, and I give them the reasons, like, don't piss me off so I don't throw you off the top of a roof, which I find to be a very good motivating strategy. <laughs> That'll never backfire. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> no shit. I'll be like, I'll just take the stairs, man. You don't. This is all very theatrical. Oh, so and then John he... Dory Jr. Sr. takes out his gun. OK, wait, 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 holds... wait, wait. Before before we get to that, we have to give the big reveal that Strand knew that Harold's family was dead. Oh, right. And John Dory is shocked. Shocked, I tell you. Shocked to realize that Strand would. Might not be such a great guy. <laughs> Wait a like, minute. Oh, are you the bad guy? Are, are we the baddies? <laughs> I mean, haven't we had this whole episode be about him going, Strand's out of control. He's doing crazy, horrible things. And yet Strand goes, I did a crazy, horrible thing. And he's like, what? <laughs> Uh, that's what you get for having uniforms with skulls on your hats. Right. Yeah. So so Strad does the supervillain thing of standing at the window with a scotch, staring into the middle distance while he monologues. And John Dory Jr. Sr. gets his gun out of his desk and holds it to Strand's head for a good 10 seconds. I was so hopeful. And then he bops, then he then he brains him instead of shooting him in his dumb face. Pistol whip, which by the uh, way, would probably kill you if okay, someone did well that. hang on. This is actually so I'm a I'm a fan of, of the film noir genre, which involves a whole lot of people getting bonked on the head with a gun. Jesus Christ, it's yeah, it's it's I believe it's a requirement of every Humphrey Bogart film that at least one person be knocked out with a gun. This is actually really hard to do. This show, uh, we have long known that the skulls in this show are made of jello. So we right. must only assume that the, skull. The, the, the people who are still alive have soft skulls as well. Because in the real world, what would have happened is that Strand would have been knocked over and he would have looked up and gone, you fucker, and gotten back up with like a concussion. It is really hard to knock somebody out with one blow of the butt of a gun. I totally disagree because I've been hit lightly on the head with the barrel of a gun. Don't ask. It's a story. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying it doesn't and it, happen. And I'm, it fucking dissolved my will. I was just like, nope, I'm done for the day. This is the worst pain I've ever been in. <laughs> I am not. I am not saying it doesn't happen, but it is a lot harder than the movies make it look. Movies and TV, right? And well, the other thing that they always get wrong in movies and TV is that people, when they when they are knocked unconscious, they aren't. It's not like, oh no, I'm unconscious, and now I'm going to nap until somebody wakes me up. <laughs> it's usually a very brief blackout, and then you're like Curtis said, you're just like, I'm done. I'm done for the day. <laughs> Somebody better keep an eye on me because I might die. Hello, it's Curtis again from the future. I just wanted to pop in here. I don't talk much in this episode, so I'm just popping in. I wanted to kind of uh, piggyback what Tim was saying about getting pistol whipped. I will still disagree because it is very difficult to pistol whip someone without killing them. If you're just aiming to knock them out, that's what's hard. You could die. It's being hit with a lead pipe or a steel pipe, I guess. That shit is painful. I don't know why I thought you needed to know that. I don't know. You're probably good on your own. Anyway, back to your uh, the rest of this. Yeah, because Str so Strand has a serious concussion. For him right. to have been knocked out, for him to be unconscious, he's got a concussion, folks. Yep. Yeah. And he should be having vision problems and balance problems and all kinds of things if he got if he's that knocked out fury just absolute he would look 
I didn't buy his response when he woke up, right? Mm. Because he's like, where's the baby at? You know? <laughs> and I'm like, didn't we have a baby? Your life has just been stolen. What you what you envisioned about your life is gone, and you're just going to be like, okay, that's okay. I'll get you next time. This child is a pawn to him. He's not thinking, oh, no, they took my baby. That's what Grace is doing for two, two sentences this whole episode. <laughs> she loves that baby. She wants to be with that baby. She wants what's best for that baby. Strand sees that baby as a way to get to Morgan. And so his reactions to, oh, no, the baby is gone. That's my chess piece. Not, oh, no, the baby's gone. That's a baby. Who I love with all my heart and soul. Right. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. While he's being resuscitated, John Dory Jr. Sr. and June and Wendell and, and uh, hey, he's he's in the credits. You got to have him show up on right. the show from time to time. And Grace are all like preparing for John Dory Jr. Sr. to take the baby through the zombie moat to Morgan, who is waiting just outside. You know, you would think that they would like have a sniper set up to where as many times as Morgan just comes and stands on that platform. Like just one person to just be like, I guess I can kill him, but no. Yeah. So they do the whole rule, you know, code 43 thing where, you know, I don't know. It's too dangerous. I've got to go. No, you go. I'll go. We'll all go. No, none of us can go. <laughs> and John Dory Jr. Senior is like, I am legit dying of radiation poisoning. I could just do this. Like, none of you have to put yourself in this danger. I'll do it. They stand there and they whine and they talk and they like make it's the worst tension building I've ever seen. And it could have been accomplished so much better if they had just shown us while Strand is being revived and they're looking a montage of them putting all that shit on John Dory Jr. Sr., because mm -hmm. yeah. he is wearing a ton of armor. The living quarters is just, a I mean, it's a museum. It's all museum pieces. And a lot of it is military wear, yeah. vintage military wear. But they also open this whole little segment with, hey, why don't we cover him with, with gore? This will make him and the baby safe when moving through the giant crowd of zombies. No, no, we have no time. Five minutes later <laughs> of them talking... It's like, you had time, you had time. In fact, quite frankly, you would make the time. Especially considering what, what obviously must have happened. So, so Grace gives John Dory Jr. Sr. this tape recorder, and she says, this comforts the baby. And he's like, well, what, what music is in there? And she's like, you can't, there's no music on it. You have to sing. And I was like, what, what, what are you talking about? And so apparently John Dory Jr. Sr. and Grace sing the baby a song into the tape recorder. And then that's what they're playing for four and a half fucking minutes while he walks through the moat is Keith Carradine singing a song. And I don't why, Tim, explain it to me, Tim. Keith Carradine in a previous life was there when we drove the bus of nuns and orphans off the cliff and he didn't stop us. And this is his penance because he's a better actor than this. Say if you'd have pushed play on that thing, it would have just been Keith Carradine going, hello, my baby. Hello, my <laughs> honey. Hello, my ragtime. <laughs> that would have been genius. So, so here's here, you know, like I said, the episode should have ended when he took the drink. Here's what this scene should have been. 
And you could end up in the same place for this episode because we sit there and watch him move through the crowd of zombies and we hear the song and it just keeps going. And we're like, ugh, more ugh. Oh God, this is, this is okay. What should have happened is we should have had the whole cover the body in gore, put the headphones on the baby. You could even have this song if you wanted, go through and everything seems fine because he's slathered in the goo and the zombies are paying no attention. And then the baby starts crying because the baby has been traumatized for the last, you know, however long the baby's been in the tower and every second before the baby was in the tower, every second of this baby's life has just been one pure, oh, this is hell and am I not in it? The baby drove the bus. <laughs> Here we go, see? It all, it all comes together. He still gets bit because the baby cries and he like makes that last push and it's not enough and it's big and dramatic and it's a sacrifice. And here it's just like, you got nothing on your face, man. Your face is wide and exposed. Your hands are exposed. And I am watching a zombie chew on your hand in like two different shots in this thing. And that's not the thing where, you know, he makes it through the crowd and to a man who should have been shot by a sniper five minutes ago in this show. And he hands the baby and says, I can't, you know, it's like, we have to go. It's like, I can't go. And he shows him his shoulder. Can I hit rewind and go back to the fact that this zombie is chewing on your hand? And I just saw your palm, dude. <laughs> right. And all that military memorabilia they had, they, they couldn't find a fucking pauldron. <laughs> well, Texas history, we didn't use a lot of pauldrons. <laughs> well, that's the whole enough. thing. Like, it's, the, it's Texas enough. history stuff. That's true, because he's wearing kind of a Spanish conquistador uh, chest armor and a World War One military helmet. No pauldron. No telephone book. There is not a hockey mask in the mask in this building. No. So yeah. So at the end, he sacrifices himself so that uh, Morgan and the baby can escape. Uh, Strand does the "You win this round, Morgan, but you oh. won't <laughs> win the war." Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, put on and, some, some black lipstick and some fake eyelashes and none of it detracted from the performance. And when, when, I, <laughs> when, I heard, when I heard Strand say, do the whole, that you may have won this battle. I was like, I put the knife that was at my wrist down because I deserve this life. <laughs> that was when I realized I, I have no options. I, right. I have to endure this. So that's the end of the episode. Well, now hold on. We, no, we, got one, we, we got one oh. more bit, which is we have the reveal, of course, that Wes is at the tower. Which that's we got, what I, I was going to say. Yeah. We had to talk about Wes. And apparently Wes has the moral compass of someone who, I don't know, drives nuns and children off a cliff in a previous life. Oh, you want a partner? And I kept, I kept waiting for Coleman to make it to look at it and go, what kind of partner are you talking about? Why would you volunteer for that position at the end of this episode, where what had happened in this episode is that both of Strand's partners are dead by the end of it. Like the right-hand man dead and then the new right-hand man immediately dead. And you're gonna be like, I'll take that job, sure. Uh, it's like an abusive relationship where you sit there and go, I can change them. Either, either it is going to be like you said, Wes is completely and truly evil, or it's going to come back later that this was all a ruse. What are you saying? There might be a resistance within the tower. The and, hell and you that, say that Wes has been a part of it the whole time. 
this whole thing, his whole dealio, that whole thing was a thing that he did it was on a ruse. purpose. It was a ruse. a ruse. I don't know. You think in so the so writer's weird. room of the Fear the Walking Dead, they they took what's that fellow's name again? Wes. 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 Yeah. yeah. You think they they were like, okay, we have this character Wes. Let's make him look exactly like Malcolm Jamal Warner, like two years after Cosby shows canceled. Because his facial hair is exactly the same. And I defy anyone to disagree with me. It's exactly the same. I didn't notice that. I was so handsome, dude. Good I was so distracted guy. by the fact that he is not long for this world. Alicia is leaving. I, I saw an article that said that it was basically Jeffrey T. Morgan's like, come be on our New York show with me and Maggie. That'll be great. I don't know how she's planning on leaving. This show, this show is just for spinoff shows. If, right. If you haven't had your own standalone episode by now, you're not going to get into the spinoff show. Just I agree with Tim. I think it's a, we're about to see another hard reboot of this show. Oh, here's what's going to happen. Next season, episode one, Morgan's going to wake up. No apocalypse. <laughs> Next to Slu- Susan. Susan Bouchette. Bouchette. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just had the weirdest dream. Bob. <laughs> It's going to be written by these writers and directed by this director. I guarantee it. I, I honestly, if they did that, my respect for them would go up so much higher because there is a significant chunk of their audience and probably our listeners who have no idea what we're talking about. And yet it was one of the best endings of a TV show, I think, in the history of television. I remember loving New Heart. I think, though, uh, if they were going to make a movie about the writing of this show, it would just be Will Arnett going, I think I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> right after he writes the, the nuclear explosions, it's like, I think I just fucked up. Oh, well, now we got to run with it. Oh, yeah. This, this show has done a really fantastic job of writing itself into corners. Yeah. And then sitting there and going, I could not have foreseen the issues that would arise from writing myself into a corner. Who could have foreseen any of these problems? No one. This is a complete and utter mystery. I am shocked. Shocked. I tell Yeah, that's a whole lot of that. So here, here we are at the end of the episode. We have Strand is still in charge of the tower. He knows who the resistance people are because they were too stupid to leave the fucking courtyard once they sent, sent John Dory Jr. Sr. out. They stood there and watched like, oh, mm-hmm. no one will wonder why we're standing down here. Howard uh, died as he lived like a chump. And quite frankly, he was such an awful person that I feel no regret whatsoever for the character leaving, with the exception of the fact that you guys could stop calling him my name. <laughs> <laughs> but also, also left with a really, really bad I'm sorry, just a bad explanation for why he is such an awful person is I'm doing it for my wife and child. Okay, no, that's just dumb. John Dory Sr. is dead. Keith Carradine has escaped the show. John Carradine? Keith Carradine. Keith Keith Carradine has escaped the show. Good for you, sir. Your past sins have been paid off. He probably had script approval on on his death, and he was like, no, I'm not going to die hanging in a closet. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's terrible the baby is now out and exposed to all the radioactive walkers and all the other terrible things which i guess is an improvement yeah uh, yeah yeah she's with morgan 
Alex the nuclear stuff. And the war, which we were promised at the end of the season break, apparently is coming up in the next episode, or at least part of it is. Maybe. There was an explosion and stuff in the trailer. Yes, this battle skirmishes begin to skirmish and badly. Well, maybe they'll stop talking for a change and get something done. One can only hope. In fairness to our actors in the show, Keith Carradine is working really, really hard with what he's given this episode. They're Mm -hmm. all working really hard with what they're given this episode. I'm just super glad he got drunk as shit before he carried that baby out. (laughs) People aren't going to really think about that, but he was shit-faced. Oh, considering how long he has been since he's had a drink? Oh, yeah. And he, he drank three quarters of that bottle. Easy. Well, you know, this is just another example of a show where the solution to the problem is right there in front of the characters and they promptly ignore it, which is he should have just shot Strand and that would have been the end of it. Oh, yeah. And yes, I know you want to keep Coleman Domingo around. Who doesn't no, want to keep Coleman Domingo not, around? Logically, you're right. Story-wise, the, I, the fact that he had the perfect opportunity to kill Strand... And be like, guess what, motherfuckers? I'm in charge now. Or, you know, guess what? Morgan's going to come in here and be in charge from now on is redonkulous. But you can't kill Coleman Domingo because he is made of candy. We all want one. Oh, I definitely want one. Coleman. Different degrees of want. I know you're married. I understand. But I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it, Coleman Domingo. He's like, I'm straight, but I'm California straight. No, he's f- full, full homosexual. Good for him. He is good. Good. Awesome. Super good. But I am just, I am disappointed. We have not had my nuts a little bit. I am disappointed. We did not have, we have not yet had a uh, Coleman Domingo singing episode. It would go a long way to covering up a lot of the sins of this show. If we just had a whole episode of Coleman Domingo just singing. <laughs> It becomes a musical. We do the Walking Dead musical episode. God, they need Joss Whedon to write that. It'd probably be pretty awesome. Ugh. Okay. Or All not. right. So now that's the end of the episode because it is it's the end of the episode. It is indeed. Yep. We are going to wrap this up. Folks, if you've enjoyed listening to us wonder what the hell we're doing and pondering the sins of our past, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can let us know what you think. You can go to our Patreon account, patreon.com's Apocalypse Now. You can support our sponsor, OutbreakChallenge.com. All of these are cool things you could do that will uh, help us somehow struggle on through this mess. <laughs> oh, oh, makes me miss the regular The Walking Dead show. Which yeah. is not necessarily a good thing. Anyway, we do appreciate you guys coming along on the ride with us. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim. And again, folks, thank you for listening. We'll see you on our next Atonement for Our Sins. I mean, episode <laughs> of Zompocalypse Now. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. <laughs> I'm a ragtime gay. Apocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.